Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor, live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos. I'm with Utah Governor Spencer Cox this afternoon. And, Governor, thank you so much for being with us today and taking all of our listeners' uh, calls and questions. Maria, it's great to be back with you again. It is such a great day. This is the first day I have been able to see the faces of many of my coworkers because our company said, hey, those of you who are vaccinated, hey, you can drop the mask. And it's just an incredible feeling. Well, it is an incredible feeling. We're, we're wired for connection, and so much of that connection has been missing with, with distancing, and then even when we are together with masks on. And so, so being able to connect again is, is a cool thing. And, and because you're fully vaccinated, you can do that and do that safely. And we're so excited with what KSL is doing with the walk-in vaccine clinic at the Megaplex location in West Valley today. That's a huge deal. It really is a huge deal because, really, we looked at our cases from yesterday. We had 430 new cases of COVID. This this isn't over yet. It, it's it's not over, but it's it's getting closer to being over because of vaccines. As vaccines go up, case numbers go down. Um, I, I I didn't say this in my press conference this morning, but we got our new numbers right after the press conference was over, mm-hmm. and we had a huge decrease um, versus this day last week. This is the first time we've been have had a rolling uh, seven day average under 300 cases uh, since May of last year, and and so to be under 300, that's kind of a benchmark we've been watching for a while. I think we're at about 292 or 293 right around there today. And, and so we were, we were really excited about that. But, but again, it's because more and more people are getting vaccinated every day. And I, I do have to give just a shout out. If you're, if you're in the West Valley area or you're headed that way from eight to nine today, you can go there, um, to the, to Larry H. Miller Megaplex. Uh, you guys are there. Um, Real Salt Lake is going to be there. Leo the Lion, ages 12 and up. <laughs> they have both Pfizer and J, uh, J and J. And uh, I think they're giving away popcorn as well they if you are. show up they so it's, it's worth it for the popcorn Boyd no Matheson appointment will be required there right at one o'clock so you can see Boyd cool. Matheson as well so governor masks have been just such a controversial issue just kind of crazy and the legislature did pass a law uh, a bill yesterday it won't become law until you sign it uh, saying hey public schools can no longer require masks how do you feel about that and will you sign it 
Yeah, yeah, I will. It's it's something that I support. Something that we we've talked about for a while, and and, and there's a few reasons why. If, if you look at the the age distribution of, of the coronavirus, um, o- over the age of 12, and, and especially over the age of 14, uh, th- those young people tend to spread the virus more like adults, and uh, and certainly we've seen uh, we've seen more hospitalizations with that age group than we would um, in, in a normal flu season. Although again, much lower than uh, than than the elderly population. We, we have vaccines now available for those 12 and up. My 14-year-old daughter was able to get her vaccine last year. We're talking about the fall. So as, as kids come back into school in, in the fall, um, with younger kids, especially in elementary school, if you start to look at the data around those kids, um, it, it does look more like the flu or less than the flu. We don't have nearly as many hospitalizations. We've had almost no um, fatalities in that age group. And there, there is this connection piece that you just talked about that is really important for, for the development of especially young kids. And the CDC has mentioned this all along, by the way. If you look at their, their um, recommendations around elementary schools, they were different than their recommendations. They did recommend masks. They, they absolutely did. But they also had more exceptions in there for, for child development and for understanding how important it is for, for kids to see, see faces for speech development, um, especially I, uh, my, my wife has a degree in uh, early childhood, a uh, special ed degree, and we've talked to some special educators uh, around speech uh, development and some of the problems that they've been having around that. And so it, it just makes sense um, as the virus continues to go down. Now, if something changes, if we have a variant that, that impacts young people, we can make a change to that. Um, I we, we still have emergency authorization that we can do for 30 days, and then we would need to bring the legislature back to make a change there. And they've said all along they're willing to make a change if one is necessary. Um, but we're, we're going to continue on this path we're going now, and, and we feel really good about the fall. Utah legislature met in special session yesterday to talk about monies that have been appropriated from the federal government. Uh, tell us your reaction, how you feel about how that all went. Yeah, we, we feel really good about that piece. Um, we've been working closely with them. Of course, uh, we, we have the, the ARPA money, the America Rescue Plan money that's coming to the state. It's, it's a tremendous amount of money. Um, I, I've said all along, it's, it's, it, I, I think it's too much money. I, I think there were some mistakes there. Um, I, th- I think we're, we've started to see inflation um, in, in, uh, at rates that we haven't seen o- over the past couple decades. And so we're concerned there. And what the legislature did and what we, we asked them to do is to to be very responsible with that with that funding, um, to, to use it, of course, where we need it for our pandemic response and, and some of the monies that have been expended, and, and then to uh, to invest that. <clears throat> if we're going to be borrowing from future generations, then we need to be. In, we need to be investing that money in, in ways that will benefit future generations. And so we're, we're looking at, uh, at infrastructure needs and how we can improve infrastructure. So, you know, broadband infrastructure is one area where we're going to continue to invest. Um, it, just making sure that, that we're spending it in a way that will pay dividends for, uh, for years to come. And, and by the way, um, local governments will be getting some funds and, and as will local school districts. And we want to partner with those, those local locals to make our do- dollars go even further. So some of these generational projects that are important to them, and, and we're not spending it all right now. We're, we're being very cautious. We actually don't have all of the rules yet on how it can be spent, and those rules we anticipate will be changing from the Treasury Department. And so we, we, we just want to be really responsible. Utah does that. We've been recognized. Um, the uh, ALEC, which is a, a legislative uh, group, a national group, uh, recognized Utah for the 14th year of the row, you know, in a row as a state with the best economic outlook, and it's because we're very careful with the way we spend taxpayer dollars. 
Utah lawmakers do something that rarely happens. They called an extraordinary session how to talk about something complete, completely unrelated, critical race theory. What is your reaction to what happened with that? Well, so I, I uh, actually wrote uh, wrote a lengthy letter. Uh, I would encourage all, all Utahns to, uh, to to read that letter um, about this topic and about special sessions and and the way we use them. I, I what I appreciate is that they took my advice. Um, this is a very d- divisive topic, and uh, there's a lot of, of of lack of understanding, lack of definitions. If you talk to 50 people about what critical race theory is, you'll get 50 different answers. I, I've been very, um, very very uh, upfront and clear that that uh, I, I don't believe that critical race theory should be taught in in, uh, in Utah's K through 12 schools, and it, it is it is not being taught in Utah's K through 12 schools. It is not part of the curriculum. Um, but but what I've said is the state school board has a role under the constitution of our state uh, to uh, to work on this issue uh, and on these issues related to education, and that's exactly what the uh, the legislature did yesterday. Is uh, it was a recommendation to the state school board. I met with. The uh, Superintendent Dixon, as, as well as Chair Huntsman, and uh, they, they are working on this. They're working with our local school districts. They're working with our multicultural community, um, working to make sure that we um, that we get this right, uh, what, whatever that right looks like. Um, it, it is something that, that I think is, is very nuanced, and it's going to take all of us working together to do it the Utah way and, and the right way. And so we're, we're headed in a great situation. They're, um, they're investigating any time there are reports uh, that, uh, that, that, that that critical race theory is being taught in schools. Um, they're, they're looking into that, and uh, they, they had reported back to me that they had not found any yet. Right. Was this an appropriate venue for that? The criticism from uh, the other side, if you want to call it that, has been like, well, this wasn't really an appropriate time to take up such an important topic. Why not wait till the general session? Why do that? Why call this special rare type of session? Sure. So, so, and and I made that case in the um in, in in my letter, and 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 I issued the call, right? And that was not included on the call. And 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 my my argument was that um we we did need more time to work on this. We did need to bring more people in, and we needed to give the the state school board an opportunity to work through this as well. And so so that's that's actually what happened. Now they did talk about it, but they they didn't pass a bill, right? They they didn't do any legislation around it. And in fact, I, I would encourage people, because I know there's so much outrage on this on both sides of the issue, to actually go read what it was they, they did. Um, it, it's not controversial what they, what they recommended. And, uh, and so I, I do think it's, it's, it's okay. They, they are an independent branch of government. And so it, it, it's, it's awesome that we have these, these places to have the conversation. I would also encourage people to go to the legislature's website, le.utah.gov, and you could actually go and listen um, to, in the Senate, they had some really robust debate. Um, that's what's missing in, in so much of this argument is, is thoughtful debate. Um, and and e- even some of the people that voted for the resolution, I think if you go and listen to them, very persuasive in, in their arguments about how we can do this better, how we can actually have debate. This is one of the last places where two people of different parties actually get into the same room and talk about difficult issues. And we need more of that, not less of it. And so I, I don't have a problem with it, them having that conversation and understanding that there's more work to do. Um, and, and I anticipate that we'll see that work over the next few months and, and uh, we'll, we'll have something ready in January. Governor, the questions are coming in. The callers are starting to line up. We're going to take a break and come back with their questions up next. The number to call, 801-575-8255. And you can text us at 57500.
It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. today. Um, one of the things that, that was kind of important to me, um, and, and one of the ideas I like behind, uh, behind doing a drawing uh, of some sort, is um, to, uh, to, that everyone would be qualified for that incentive, instead of just the people who held out to the very end. And so um, we'll, we'll look at it. I, I would love to not have to do any type of incentives. I would much rather that uh, everyone uh, take, take responsibility uh, to protect themselves and to protect others, and to go and get the vaccine. I'm grateful so many have done that. Our numbers are incredible, by the way. Um, we're now at, uh, at, at just, I guess if you round up, we're at 90% for those over the age of 70 who have gotten a vaccine. I think we're at 88%. If you go everyone over the age of 65, um, we're continuing. Uh, we're, we're well over 50% of, uh, close to 60% of those uh, 16 and older who have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine. Um, we're pushing towards that 70% goal by July 4th. And and uh, we just need more and more. So uh, we'll see uh, what happens if, if things slow down and we feel like we need to. There are some people that are kind of on the fence and, and there's something we could do to, to help incentivize them to get there. We're, we'll look at that. But, yeah, there are definitely some limits on what we would do, James. Thank you for the question. Thank you, James, for your call. Governor, our first texter wants to know they're changing the subject altogether. Well, they want to know why we're still on daylight saving time. Ah, that's a great question. And uh, I, I know, especially as, as parents, our kids are a little older now, but with younger kids, that was the worst. The time changes um, every year. Uh, but there has been a lot, uh, a lot of debate about what we would do and, and if we change what we would change to. Um, most people, uh, if you survey, uh, and, and I'm one of those, would prefer to stay on the time where we are now, where, where you have uh, more, more light in the evenings. And so we would, uh, we would spread Spring forward and then just just stay there, um, and and that that's, that seems to be the uh, the, the choice of, of most voters and, and most people people who are polled. We uh, we. We can't make that change as a state. Um, to, in order to do that, it would have to be a congressional action. Um, we could go the other way and, and, and pull back, uh, but we, we do have, there, there is a push now, a, a national push, and, and Congress is, has been looking at this. Uh, I, I know, um, uh, that the, the, Rob Bishop was working on this before. I know uh, Marco Rubio was was involved in this as well. Uh, as more and more states come together, we actually had some legislation here in this state around that. If if more states do it and come together, then we can make that change. I suspect that we may actually see it happen over the the next five years for uh, at the national level, where uh, where we're, where changes are made and we're we're allowed to make those changes. So um, if if you're interested in that, I would contact uh, your your member of Congress and. And uh, hopefully we can get to a point where we're, uh, we're not uh, doing the, the spring forward and fall back every, uh, twice every year. Right. Definitely inconvenient. Let's go back to our phone lines. We have Dwayne in Murray. Good afternoon, Dwayne. What is your question? Hi. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks. Good. Hey, I have a question for the governor. A couple of weeks ago, I stopped at a park or a stoplight when one of the motorcycles that we have go down and split the lanes. And when doing so, he tagged my mirror 
But by the time I realized what had happened, the light's green and he's long gone. So my question is, is wasn't this like a two-year trial uh, to see if this actually worked? And if not, how do we go about repealing that law? Well, well, thank you, Dwayne, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that, that happened. So uh, w- what I would encourage you to do is talk to your, your legislator um, and, and, of course, uh, you know, talk to your neighbors. There's certainly strength in numbers. Uh, there, there is a real safety message here. Since, uh, since we have interns during that uh, 45-day session, it's intense. Um, it's, it's fascinating. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's so much fun. As I, I talk to young people who have been able to do those internships, they absolutely love it and and we do we we take you know in internships from SUU and and uh, Dixie State in the south from uh, from BYU and the University of Utah and Weber State and and and, and of course my alma mater Utah State University uh, we, we have those internships available and so I, I would just encourage you as as you uh, as you head off to college uh, to to contact uh, the, uh, the 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 you know the the institute that that handles the internships there and, and figure out what you need to do to qualify for those internships so you can start uh, your freshman year to uh, work towards making one of those happen and kudos to them for knowing at 16 that they want to be involved in government yeah i i mean at, at 16 i had no idea what i was doing Me with neither. my life that's that's Me really neither. really impressive <laughs> would have been helpful to know at that point in time <laughs> well we we both landed on our feet maria we so did. i think we're okay so far so good <laughs> and the number to call with your questions 801-575-8255 you can also text us your questions at 57500 david and jared your calls are coming up next as well as matt who has a text question and we'll be right back following the bottom of the hour news hour it's let me speak to the governor governor spencer cox answers questions from ksl and for you call now 801-575-8255 let me speak to the governor live from the studios of ksl news radio 102.7 fm and 1160 a.m and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. And again, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Back to our phone lines. David is in South Jordan. And David, what is your question for the governor? Hey, Governor. I hope you and your family's uh, doing well. So my question for you is, um, so you've probably seen um, Arkansas's um, trans bill that they passed uh, last month. The bill did uh, several things, but one of the things it did was um, ban was ban the transgender, I guess, the transition surgery for minors. Would you be in favor or at least consider doing something like that here in Utah? David, thank you, and, and thank you for the, the, the kind words. My, my family's doing very well. I, I appreciate that. So I, I, I did have the opportunity to talk to Governor um, Hutchinson down in, down in Arkansas. This is an issue that will, uh, will, may, may be coming to the, the legislature this year. Um, we, we've, uh, we've, we've done some research on this and found that those transition surgeries are extremely rare in the, uh, in the state of Utah, and, 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 and most doctors, if not all, um, refuse to perform them um, except in the – 
in the most extreme of circumstances. Uh, my, my concern, so I always get concerned, David, with any bill that tells families and doctors what they what they they can and and can't do um, in their in in those relationships. And uh, Go- Governor Hutchinson, uh, who is one of the most conservative Republicans in the country, he uh, he actually vetoed that bill. I, I believe it was overridden, but he he called it a vast government overreach. And the, the reason I get worried about that is that um, you, you know I, on the on the flip side of this is you know kind of mandating vaccines or, or requiring vaccines, which we're not doing. But but when it comes to, to medical decisions um, that that families make with their doctors, I'm I'm always very wary. So we, we'll look at it. We'll look at the proposed legislation. Um, if it comes, we'll we'll see what that looks like. Um, we'll we'll do more research to find out um, what's happening in the state of Utah. Again, if it, if it's not happening at all, then then banning it probably isn't a big issue. Um, but but I am worried when government tells families and, and doctors what to do. Just because it's something that, that I don't like or that you don't like right now, um, it, it may be somebody else making those decisions later. And uh, and so I as a conservative I'm I'm always very wary of, of those types of uh, those types of decisions that we make. But but we'll certainly look at it and we'll get all the information we can and make the best decision possible. All right, David, thank you for your call. Uh, Governor Matt in Salt Lake City is interested in knowing what you believe that businesses can do, what role they play in fighting the drought. Well, we, we need the help of everyone in this state. This is a, a, a tremendously difficult drought year. It was it was a bad winter and it was a bad spring, and uh, we're we need a, we need rain desperately. Um, heading into one of the worst drought seasons that we've seen, um, and, and this is where we need help, the help of, of businesses all across the state. And, and that is to be very careful with the way that you use your water. Um, far too often, water wasting that happens on, on on lawn strips or 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 you know where we end up watering parks stalls and and uh, we, we need people to be very vigilant and, and take steps any steps that you can take to uh, reduce water usage in uh, in your business or on your farm I, we, you know we've already cut back water usage on our farm we we, uh, we just need everyone involved in this businesses um, individuals and, uh, and and any type of organization that uses water let's go back to our phone lines and Jared is in North Ogden uh, good afternoon Jared what is your question for the governor Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for your leadership on on rolling the vaccines out. I have both my doses. I'm happy. Uh, my question is on the the anti-mask bill that was passed yesterday. While data have shown that those children don't get as sick as others who are older or in high-risk categories, the same data show that they transmit COVID to their teachers who may be in high-risk categories. And so what is the logic behind allowing that to happen? Well, th- thank you uh, for the for the question. Um, teachers, one of, we were one of the few states that uh, that prioritized teachers and uh, and had gave teachers the opportunity to get vaccinated um, be- before the rest of us for for that very reason. Um, and, and so, not not only have all teachers had the opportunity to be vaccinated, they, they've had it for much longer than than the rest of us. So, so all teachers should be vaccinated by now. Um, we, we encourage if you're not vaccinated 
appreciate it and you're a teacher, please, please do so. And, and again, there's nothing that prevents people. I want to be very clear with this. There, there is nothing that prevents people from wearing masks and, and being cautious. And, and that includes teachers. Um, teachers uh, who, who may feel like they're at high risk can, can certainly do that. Um, again, we will have had an opportunity for, for high school, uh, all of our high school kids to get vaccinated by then, and, and many of our middle school kids uh, now that, that ages 12 and up are, are uh, can, can, can get the vaccine. Um, I'll just say, you know, my, we, we've been wearing masks in my family for a long time. I have a sister uh, that is high risk. Uh, she has cystic fibrosis, and, and uh, her, her lung function is, is very low, and so she will often wear a mask uh, during flu season um, because if she gets the flu, it, it could be deadly uh, for, for her, and, and we will encourage that. I suspect we will see people that continue to wear masks, and so there's no prohibition on wearing masks, just a, just a prohibition on requiring that for everyone, and so we'll, we'll be moving into that, that personal responsibility phase of the pandemic, and uh, we, we now have the tools and, and the options for everyone to keep themselves safe. All right, Jared, thank you for your call. Uh, next texter says, Governor, what's it going to take to improve our lane striping, such as the road reflectors that they have on the Arizona interstates? Oh, well, I, whoever this texter is, thank them for this, this text. <laughs> this is my favorite one of the day because um, if I was not the governor, I would have been texting that to the governor and, uh, and asking them to It does uh, to, get to pretty get scary, especially in rainstorms. Yeah, it, it does. So I have, uh, this is one of my priorities since I became governor. I'm like, hey, I can actually do something about this. And we, we've been meeting with uh, the Department of Transportation, and uh, they've been working diligently on this. So you mentioned Arizona. And the, the it's, it's easier to do in Arizona because um, you can stripe with the, the reflective striping and it stays for years and, and it works. Here in Utah, if we use that same technology, um, it, gets, it gets taken off by snow plows every year. That's why it hasn't been done thus far. It's just really expensive. It means we would have to stripe the roads every, every spring as snow melts um, and we would have to do it over and over again, which, which may be worth it. And that's one of the things we're looking at. It, it may still be worth it. But we, ha we actually have some scientists involved. We have some chemists involved that are working on um, some new technologies, some new paint um, that we could use that, that would be reflective and not to peel off when, uh, when, when snow plows go over it. And so uh, this is a really high priority for us, and uh, we're going to be getting some of that done soon. So look forward to an announcement um, to come. And you travel a long way from here to <laughs> your farm. So I, you you are excited about it? Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited for you know I for for eight years um, I, I commuted 200 miles round trip every day. Um, our, my, my family's still uh, still in San Pete, so they're they're still going to school, still finishing up, and uh, and so I, I'm still doing that. I'm spending uh, two or three nights up here every week, and then back in Fairview um, and uh, and doing a lot of meetings via Zoom and still working from from home. So we uh, I'm still making that drive, and uh, it's still it still worries me when, when it starts raining and all of a sudden the, the lines all disappear and it's kind of a free-for-all. No doubt about it. Okay, our next caller is Stephen in Holiday. Good afternoon, Stephen. What is your question? Hi, I'm, a, I'm the guy that sent the text message about a, being 16 and being involved with government. I just yeah. have one more question. Um, so it's, um, what is something, it's kind of the same question, it's a little bit different. Uh, what is something that a student can do right now to prepare themselves for a government role in the future like it includes internship maybe like what kind of scholarships or like uh degrees anything just for like a high school kid like me that would be able to uh who wants to become maybe a governor someday 
sure, Stephen. Thank you. And 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 I have to tell you, um, I I I didn't think I would become a governor someday, even when I was. Um, let alone 16. So I, I love where your head is and that you're preparing for for the future and, and, and whatever that is. Um, look, w one of the things I would highly recommend is to get involved um, with, uh, with with someone who's running for office. You know, pick someone, um, someone local, um, so, someone that, that, that you like, that, that you admire, that that, uh, that that you would you would like to see get elected, and then and then volunteer on their their campaign. Um, right now, we're heading into campaign 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 season for local government. This is an odd number year, which means that um, mayors and city council people and uh, county commissioners will be running for office. Um, that's, where, uh, that's where I got my first start, was volunteering on a, on a local government campaign and going door to door and handing out flyers or, or making phone calls or sending emails. Um, it's, it's a great way to get to meet people and to kind of see if that's, that's something that you're, you're interested in, um, something that you like. Um, looking for specific issues that you care about and then reaching out to legislators on that issue. I, I'm telling you, people think we get overwhelmed when I was in the legislature, and you do get overwhelmed, but you get overwhelmed by junk. You get overwhelmed by spam emails from that all look exactly the same, and that is not influential at all. But when I got a call from a constituent who lived in my district, I would take that call and I would talk to them. So that's a great way to get involved. And then as you, you start to look to, um, to, to college and what you want to do, um, I, I studied political science, which I, I, I really enjoyed, um, and then went to uh, went to law school um, after that. that. That's certainly not the only way. There are there are lots of better ways. Um, by the way, we need lots of STEM graduates, so um, you can still um, actually do a, do a hard. The governor is cut out just a bit here, but uh, you can see that he has some great advice for you, Stephen. Thank you so much for your call. The number to call with your questions eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can text us at five seven five zero zero. We'll be right back. Your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join. Let, Let me speak, speak to, to the, the governor, governor on KSL News Radio. And thank you for spending the noon hour with us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, taking your calls and questions. And hopefully, we can get through a lot of these, Governor. Uh, the next texter is a mother of three. Concerned about the mask mandate ending before the end of the school year because her 14-year-old won't be fully protected until after the school year ends. And, and she's asking, why did you make the decision and on what science do you base that decision? Sure. Thank you, Maria. So, look, we uh, th this is, again, a personal choice. Um, uh, I, I would encourage her to, to if, if that's something that she's worried about, to have her kids wear a mask and, uh, and, and to, to protect themselves. That's, that's, that's very important, and there's nothing that prevents anyone from doing that. So the, the idea behind this, we, have, we, we are in a, in a low transmission phase. We continue to go down. Um, most of our counties are in low transmission now. We have many school districts districts that have have had zero cases um, over the the past several weeks and and that's that's the science that this was based on and now again we, we left it up to the individual school districts so um, if, if school districts working with their local health departments if they are seeing a significant spread they they can absolutely still require those those mask mandates uh, but we felt like this was a time during the last week in school uh, there's a there's a lot less happening um, opportunities uh, to, to, to be outside we do have kids that are 
vaccinated. We have kids that have had the, the virus um, who have, have some level of immunity. And with such very low spread, we, we had re requests from parents, um, again, especially of younger kids who wanted an opportunity to, uh, to, to see the, the faces of their teachers and their friends. And so we, we decided that we would leave it up to everyone uh, to, uh, to decide uh, what their comfort level was and whether or not they, they wanted to wear masks or not. And so that's what we're doing with, uh, with our kids, and I would encourage everyone to do the same with their children. Our next caller is Aaron in Lehigh. And good afternoon, Aaron. What is your question for the governor? Hi, uh, Governor. Uh, this is Aaron. And uh, yesterday, the legislature passed a resolution um, asking, um, you know, the, the legislature to look into uh, passing a Second Amendment uh, sanctuary state bill, uh, like has been done in uh, 12 other states. I know that's not something that you felt uh, was a priority uh, for the special session, um, and it's something that you've criticized in some of the other states that have done it. Uh, if there was a bill that came up this next legislative session um, that would make us a Second Amendment sanctuary state um, and just not allow uh, funds to be used to enforce uh, federal uh, firearms uh law that went beyond the scope of what we already have in our state. Is that something that you would support and sign, or would you be opposed to it? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Aaron, and thank you for the question. And, and, and let me be very clear um, my, uh, my, my position on, on the Second Amendment, uh, on Second Amendment sanctuary states. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a proponent of, of the Second Amendment. I, I, I signed the Constitutional Carry Bill, something um, that, that, that hadn't been done for, you know, it had been attempted but, but not done. Um, I, I'm a defender. I, I believe that Utah is, is, is a constitutional sanctuary state and always has been and, uh, and will continue to be. I, I meet with the uh, the attorney general regularly. Um, the the way when when. The federal government does something that we disagree with or something that we think is unconstitutional. Um, the, the way we, we deal with that in our nation is that we, um, we take them to court. Um, and uh, since Marbury versus Madison back in 1803, um, the, this, the, the courts decide um, whether or not it's, it's constitutional. By the way, they do the same thing with us. If we do something that's unconstitutional, the federal government will bring suit against the, uh, the state. And, uh, and so I, I, I want to make sure that we don't fight unconstitutional constitutional legislation with unconstitutional legislation. Um, my reason for, for not putting it on the call wasn't that I'm opposed to it. It's that we, we don't, special sessions are very unique things. Trust me, you don't want a full-time legislature. Even if they do things you like, having a full-time legislature is the worst thing that could happen to us here in the state of Utah. Um, there, it's good, it's healthy to give these things time so that we don't just, you know, every outrage that happens on cable news the next day, we're, we're drafting bills. All that does is divide us more and more. This allows us time to be thoughtful about it, to get it right, to see what's working, what's not working, and to, to come to a better solution. And so um, I, I'm, I'm very much, uh, we, we will push back um, on the Second Amendment or anything else that, uh, that uh, the, the federal government does that, that we believe is unconstitutional, and, uh, and that includes the Second Amendment. And so, um, so I, am, I am open to it as, we, uh, as we'll look at the bill um, and see what, what actually comes out. If it's something that I believe is constitutional um, and something that protects us uh, from federal government overreach, then, uh, then I will absolutely absolutely sign that bill.
All right. Thank you for your call. Governor, our next listener wants to know, when do you think uh, kids under 12 will be vaccinated? I, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Um, the the uh, the CDC um, and the FDA in particular uh, will uh, they'll continue to do their research. Uh, they're very methodical about that. Um, vaccines. First of all, we, we need to make sure vaccines work, and they do. And these vaccines work as well or better than any vaccine that we've ever had. Um, but two, we have to make sure that they're safe, and that's why um, you know we we could have had these vaccines many months ago, but they have to go through those safety protocols. Otherwise, um, we can't trust them and so that's what's been done um, they they you know they took their time to go to the the 12 to uh, to, to, to 15 year old range and uh, went through the process and and got it right and and now we're there my as I mentioned my 14 year old daughter was able to get her first vaccine last week and so I, I we do not have a time frame on that um, we've heard that it will probably be late summer or early fall potentially but we we, we just really don't know and uh, we, we'll have to wait and see how those uh, how the tests go and uh, and the safety protocols go to make sure that they're they're still doing what they're supposed to do that they're protecting our, our kids and that they're safely doing so just a couple of minutes left in the program let's take our last caller and that is Nathan in Cottonwood Heights hi Nathan how can we help you today Nathan are you there yes I'm here go ahead and ask your question uh, wondering what we can do about the lack of uh, employees and labor in the state. Um, I'm a general contractor, but I specialize in uh, high-end residential landscapes, and I have ads everywhere uh, with uh, Indeed on KSL uh, with the state uh, with no luck. Uh, I mean, even the resumes that come in, they rarely show up for the interview, and the resumes are fewer and far between. Nathan, thank you. This is a this is an issue, and of course, you're you're not alone in uh, in in needing to find employees. So we we made a decision last week um, that, that that we believe will will certainly help in in a big way. Um, what the the step that we took last week was to uh, we'll be ending the federal pandemic unemployment programs. Um, now we we have to give a ramp uh, to do that, and those will end uh, the the end of June, and uh, the our our economy has rebounded better than any other state. We're at 2.9% unemployment, which is tied for the lowest in the nation. Um, we'll be getting new numbers on that, I believe, tomorrow uh, to see where we are with unemployment. So we're, we're act- if you remember, back in February of last year, our unemployment was at 2.7%. So we are, we are right there where we were uh, last year before the pandemic started, which is why we believe that it's, it's time to roll back those. Now, unemployment is still there. Um, it hasn't changed. It's the same requirement. And, and the same benefits that, that have always been there. All we're doing is taking uh, is is ending, and, and they were set to end in September anyway. But because we're doing better than the rest of the nation, we felt that it was time to uh, to end those now. Um, we believe that that will have a big impact. Uh, Montana was the first state to do that, uh, and they've seen a significant uptick in applications for uh, for jobs. And uh, we're encouraging our labor force uh, that, that may be discouraged to jump back into the workforce now and, and take advantage. We also have some some awesome uh, career opportunities. It's never been easier uh, to to upskill, um, to get additional education or certificates, whatever you need to uh, to be able to make more money. On on jobs.utah.gov right now, there are more than fifty thousand job uh, postings, and on some of the private websites, we've seen upwards of seventy thousand uh, job postings. We have about twenty eight thousand. 
people on unemployment right now and about 14,000 that will be losing benefits um, at the end of June. And so for, for those 14,000 that will be losing those benefits, I, I mean, there's, there's upwards of five jobs available. In fact, um, Utah has, I think, the second highest ratio of jobs available um, to, to uh, people who are on un- unemployment right now. And I, I will also point out that these aren't just minimum wage jobs. In fact, we have, um, we have tens of thousands of jobs that pay uh, 20 to 30 dollars an hour or more than that and and so there are some really great opportunities out there for uh, for everyone um, there may be those that are discouraged because they can't get a job back in the field that they once worked and uh, and we would encourage you to broaden your search consider other industries um, there, there's certainly changing dynamics and 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 once once government gets out of this and employers then are competing for for those employees then I, we, we will see wages go up um, there, there's no question about that, and that's a good thing for an employee. Uh, but employers will have to look at that as they have to compete in the marketplace as well. Governor, is going to take some time to resolve. Thank you so much for your time today, taking all of our que- the questions from our callers and texters. And they, we're leaving a lot of people hanging. They're just going to have to join us next month for Let Me Speak to the Governor. Thank Thanks, you Thanks, Maria. I can't wait to see you again soon. Have a great day. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.